this session we want to explore another one of the heart practices, another one of the trainings uh, to work with, um, work particularly with the quality of the heart. And this is through the practice of forgiveness. And I'll say some about forgiveness, give some instructions for a practice, and then we'll do the practice together and then talk about it a little bit. That's the uh, sequence. And so um, forgiveness practice uh, can be done in a lot of different ways. And when we look uh, cross-culturally, there are many different ways that something like forgiveness is manifested. In the Buddhist context, it's done both as an inner practice and as a more interpersonal or community practice. In a lot of cultures, it's done especially as an interpersonal practice, you know, so that there'd be forgiveness between individuals, or one person would apologize and ask for forgiveness. And it can be done on a, a large uh, scale as well, within a whole community. And in fact, quite a bit of the uh, understanding of restorative justice can be related to forgiveness in a way. It's under, you know, the basis for restorative justice is understanding something that's happened as a kind of rupture in the community, say something that we call a crime. And the aim of what one does after the crime, so, so to speak, is not aimed at punishment, but it's aimed at healing the rupture. And that's the whole basis for a very different view of justice and what one does after, you know, after the fact. And uh, I, I experienced a very interesting version of this when I visited uh, with friends in the uh, indigenous community in uh, British Columbia, uh, a place called Bella Bella, which is about uh, 14 hours uh, ferry ride north of Vancouver. I don't know if anyone, has anyone been in that area? Yeah. And I was invited there by friends who were having a, a potlatch, uh, their family, and I was invited to be part of that. And one of the people I met was a man named Frank Brown. And Frank, when he was about 18 years old, had uh, engaged in a robbery in the community. Bella Bella is a small community. You can't really get there by roads. It's on the coast, about halfway between Vancouver and Alaska. And, um, and he was about to be just handed over to the uh, Canadian criminal justice system and sent to prison when his aunt remembered that there was an old practice when someone did something that was, in a sense, against the community of having that person live in isolation on an island near the community and be visited by the elders and engage in a kind of penance, we would say, using Western language. And so his aunt raised that possibility with the, um, with the community and with Frank, and Frank agreed to it. And he lived on this island for one year. There's actually been a film made of his experiences. And I met him, and he lived on this island as an 18-year-old, engaged in some of the traditional practices, was visited by elders, and at the end of a year, he was brought back to the community 
and they engaged in what they call a washing ceremony, a kind of forgiveness ceremony in which he was welcome back. He had, in a sense, uh, what, again, I just have Western language, atoned for what had happened. And he was welcomed back into the community. And out of that experience, he has taken as his life mission to bring traditional methods to work with uh, young people who have got in trouble, particularly using the large outrigger canoes that were an ancient part of their tradition that go out on the, on the ocean. So that would be an example of a communal form of forgiveness. And we work, again, especially here at Spirit Rock, we work uh, probably more with forgiveness as an inner practice something that can we can work with it really the intention of it is to work with any lingering reactivity in our own being that is there because of something that happened in the past and there are a lot of complexities to forgiveness practice which I want to mention but I'll just say that the core idea is that as long as there is reactivity and sort of unresolved feelings and so forth, we are, as it were, caught by the past and can't really respond freshly. So this is, in a way, understanding that if I have reactivity, hatred, anger still there with something, in a sense I'm not free to respond fully because I'm still caught in that way. And so it really is about this idea, can I work? with uh, my own reactivity, my own hatred, whatever is there, my own anger, my own unresolved, unresolved feelings, my own, my own bitterness, basically my own closing of the heart. And the idea is that when I have my heart closed, I'm still caught by past events. And so, again, I think it's in line with what we've been exploring. Is there a way to... Uh, have the heart more open while responding to the situation in a skillful way. That's again this uh, very difficult challenge, I think, of nonviolence. Can I keep my heart open while responding fully? Not easy. Right? Uh, so uh, Jack Cornfield had a very good one-liner on forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is giving up hope for a better past. And uh, this is from the psychologist Roberto Asagioli. He said, without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. So again, with, uh, forgiveness is a way of avoiding being caught in the cycle of the two arrows, of shooting the second arrow continually. A few, uh, a few quotations from people who don't fully share this nonviolent approach to forgiveness, but just for the sake of filling out the views. This is from John Kennedy, the president. Forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. <laughs> and this is from Oscar Wilde. Always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them so much. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it's maybe getting, getting more back to the, the approach that we're, that we're supporting. Uh, 
it really is that sense of being able more and more to lead with the heart. And so this is about forgiveness as a practice, what to do when your heart closes down for different reasons, or is closed down because of the past. Forgiveness is a kind of practice. Uh, Dr. King said that forgiveness is not an occasional act, but a constant attitude. This is from a uh, Catholic uh, activist named, some of you may know Richard Rohr, some of you may know his work, he's based in New Mexico, I think in Albuquerque. He says, your heart has to be prepared ahead of time through faith and prayer and grace and mercy and love and forgiveness so that you can keep your heart open in hell when hell happens. So it's again related to your question of that sense of uh, continual training and preparation so that more and more you can handle the, the difficult aspects. Um, a few aspects uh, of the dynamics of forgiveness practice to point to some of the things that forgiveness practice is not. So forgiveness practice is not at all about condoning what happened. It's not about glossing it over or forgetting about it or ignoring it. Forgiveness practice is, uh, can be very strongly connected with uh, action of different kinds, setting boundaries, saying not again, communicating with the person. Uh, you know, someone like Dr. King can forgive but also take very strong action. So forgiveness is not at all about condoning or being passive or avoiding. Uh, it's not about forgetting what happened. It's, it can be very much about remembering uh, what happened. It's also something that cannot be rushed. We cannot sort of impose, oh, I should be forgiving when there's something in our being that may have anger, resentment, bitterness. So forgiveness, like some of the heart practices, can be and is often talked about as a kind of purification practice. So that it really, it's, it's like uh, I mentioned with loving kindness, it's a very important point. It's an intention. We're inclining towards that open heart, but in actuality when we maybe go to a particular situation and say, I want to forgive, uh, we may find that there's anger. And we don't try to suppress the anger, but we work with it, let it have its say, let it have its place, right, in our own being, and work with it in a skillful way, or work with bitterness. What that means is that one cannot force or rush forgiveness. You may want to forgive, and, and you you know, it can take some time. It's a question of yeah, clarification. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, yesterday I commented to you that um, the phrase um, violence is a tragic um, demonstration of unmet yeah. um, That helped me very much cool down yeah. my reactivity that yeah, there can be a lot of components of forgiveness. Some of it can be based on understanding, okay. right? So there's that French phrase, the more we understand, 
the more we forgive. Anyone know that in French? Mm-hmm. How's that go? But it's emotional understanding. Yeah. I mean, yeah it's Different kinds of understanding. So, so we may, part of the process of forgiveness may be uh, coming to an understanding, let's say interpersonally, where this person was at, what some of the forces were that led there. And again, it's been my experience quite often, and I think probably many of ours, that when there is a difficult interpersonal situation, and somehow we have a chance to say, this is what was happening from my perspective without (coughs) blaming, judging, or interpreting, but just saying, here's what I was going through. I find that when that's happened for me in interpersonal relationships, and I have an understanding almost always there's a tendency towards forgiveness. And that's not, that kind of process is not easy, right? It's kind of an interpersonal truth and reconciliation commission, right? That's not easy, and it, it's, you know, it, but, and it takes some setting up. I've sometimes done some mediations with individuals where we have to have pretty strict uh, setup, right? Like saying, okay, uh, if you make a judgmental interpretation of this other in this initial phase, I'm going to step in and say that's not okay, right? So you have to have some guidelines and boundaries, but when people can simply share, oh yeah, I was feeling really pressured, I was going through a hard time and I was just kind of on automatic when I snapped at you and said those things, right? That goes a long way, doesn't it? question of taking responsibility on, on either side. Um, but especially, yeah, the, from the pers- point of view of the person forgiving, it's to take responsibility, yeah, for one's own role in the harm. Now, um, forgiveness as an inner practice doesn't depend on whether the other person takes responsibility, right? right. And that's important. And, and there, of course, when you can have mutual taking responsibility, that's optimal, right? And I think what you're talking about also speaks to self-forgiveness, too. Because right. when you've harmed someone, there's a lot of work that you need to do to forgive yourself for that. So. Right, so, so you'll see that uh, in the forgiveness practice, we actually have four steps, four different uh, phases, one of which is forgiveness for self. I'll get to that just in a moment. Let me see, just say, I read, have some, some readings which were... Quite wonderful. Um, yeah, sometimes it's interpersonal. There was a, really this was again something I found on Democracy Now. It was a few years ago that uh, they had on uh, a clip of uh, a former KKK man who had actually uh, punched John Lewis, who we saw yesterday oh, I saw in the film. So and it's quite a remarkable... Not punch, but like beat him. Yeah, really, yeah. really uh, beat him very seriously, right? And he went through a process, and he actually formally apologized. It took, it took like uh, uh, 50 years, exactly, close yeah. to 50 years. And he was very aged, but he went up to John Lewis in 2009 and gave a formal apology. So I thought I'd just read a little bit about that. This is, again, more of the interpersonal process. Uh, and this was from an interview with uh, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, the, 
she was interviewing this former Klan guy. Um, were you a member of the KKK? Oh yeah. You were? Mm-hmm. I, I can't really channel a southern accent. So, but, okay. Was he the only person you beat up that day, John Lewis? No. Uh, after he was beaten bloody and all, he policemen came up and asked him, do you all want to take out a warrant? And he said, right. And, and he said, no, we're not here to cause trouble. And then uh, Amy Goodman talked with John Lewis. On May 9th, 1961, my seatmate, a young white gentleman, we arrived at the Greyhound bus station in Rock Hill, South Carolina. We got off the bus. What were you doing there? We were testing the facilities, the lunch counters, the waiting room, the restroom facility. During those days, the station were marked. Uh, white waiting, colored waiting, white men, colored men, white women, colored women. We were following a decision of the US Supreme Court banning discrimination or segregation in interstate travel. And when we started to enter the so-called white waiting room, we were attacked by a group of young white men beaten and left in a pool of blood. The local police officials came up and wanted to know whether we wanted to press charges. We said, no, we believe in peace. We believe in love and nonviolence. Years later, 48 years to be exact, Mr. Wilson and his son came to my office in Washington and said, Mr. Lewis, I'm one of the people that beat you. Will you forgive me? I apologize. His son had been encouraging his father to do this. His son started crying. Mr. Wilson started crying. He hugged me. His son hugged me. I hugged them both back. Then all of us uh, there stood crying. That's what the movement was about, to be reconciled. So. And a couple of years after that, Oprah, on the 50th anniversary of the Freedom Rides, actually brought the two together on stage, and it was really powerful. Yeah. So again, um, there's a lot that we can say about forgiveness. Maybe that's enough for now. That it's it's a, a kind of inner process. It's a purification process, and so. In the, in the actual practice, there are a few ways to do it. And if you can look at your handout, um, this is again for forgiveness as an inner practice. And there'd be other ways of working with it as in more of an interpersonal or a community practice. As an inner practice, we can work with it in a way that's similar to the meta practice. That is, we can, uh, work in a way, and it's good to do the forgiveness practice when the mind is somewhat quiet. So it can be helpful maybe to sit for a while, 10 or 15 minutes before we work with the forgiveness practice. And we work with it much like we do the metta, that we use phrases that tend to evoke um, the sense of forgiveness. We're intending forgiveness, but we use the phrases and then whatever comes up, we're with it. And again, it's not, you know, we, we uh, use phrases that tend to direct us towards forgiveness, but what might come up would be anger, or what might come up very commonly would be pain, a sense of the pain of the situation. Or there might be, if, if we're not we're ready to forgive a particular situation, what comes up is that wall that we talked about also with a difficult person. You know, we can just 
say these phrases and be taking on forgiveness maybe in something that's too much for right now and we just feel the heart say, oh, I'm not going there, no, or something like that. So here there, there are four phrases and again these can be done in two main ways. One of them is just to work with the phrases and see what comes up. In other words, you might say, in any way that I have harmed you, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I ask for your forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. You may say that, or, you know, sometimes we may want to simplify the phrase. You know, this is, that this is one type of phrase. You may work with this and, and just say something like, um, uh, if I have hurt you, I ask for your forgiveness. It could be quite a bit simpler. But we wanted to bring in different elements here. This is kind of, I have my name here, but this is kind of a collaborative uh, set of phrases that came particularly from my work with Heather Sunberg and Larry Yang. You know, t- teaching over the years our one-week meta-retreat every January. And this, this uh, forgiveness practice has definite contributions from, from both of them with whom, with whom I've taught. And so one way is just to say the phrase, see what comes up. It's like our, our forgiveness radar does scanning really quickly, like the mind does, and it will come instantly. Okay, this one, this incident, this thing that happened yesterday, whatever. And the other way to work with forgiveness is to deliberately bring in a situation that we want to work with, have that in mind, and then say the phrases and then we'll be you know, applying it to that situation. We can also do forgiveness on the spot in certain everyday situations. I do forgiveness practice while driving. You know, sometimes I do self-forgiveness practice if I've been called up by a telemarketer and not been impeccable. <laughs> you know, in my, in my, what? Setting of boundaries informed by meta. <laughs> right, right, and so, um, so we can bring it into very ordinary, uh, simple situations. Uh, it can, again, it can be done internally without the other person knowing. This is, again, primarily an inner practice. So those are the two main ways of doing it. Just doing it, seeing what comes to mind, and then having a deliberate uh, uh, focus. So the first set of phrases, uh, what we can do is we could just repeat the phrase and this is what we'll do in a moment, and then just let there be silence for a while, for a few minutes. And if you want to then repeat it again, to just to evoke whatever is there, you can do that. So you can, you can all repeat the phrase once uh, out loud, have a few minutes just to see what's there. If you want to, you can repeat it internally, silently again, just to sort of bring that intention to forgiveness present. And you just see what's there. Again, it could be something comes up, you know, again, it could be irritation, anger, a sense of pain. Um, I find that forgiveness and compassion practice are for me better, uh, better than metta in situations of interpersonal difficulty and pain. Because they tend to take you right to the sense of pain and that softens the heart and softens the judgmental mind when you go and you actually go to the uh, to realize, ah, oh, this is painful, you know, we're both, it's painful for both of us, you know, rather than I'm right, you're wrong, or something like that. So it tends to 
help dissolve the judgmental mind. And so again, the, the second phrase just uh, reverses that and, and says, uh, for what you have done, I offer forgiveness for you. We work with the phrases. And then we might do that in relation to a particular person or situation. And we might actually say those words and actually not feel forgiveness, feel, why did you do that? And go, go back into judgments, whatever. That's just to be noted and uh, mindfully and just to be, uh, to be with that. The third phrase comes back to self-forgiveness. For whatever way that I have acted that, bring about my own, that brings about my own difficulty and suffering and my responsibility in it, I forgive myself. Right. And the, then the fourth phrase is based on uh, actually something that Larry Yang developed. And this is, uh, this is a little different. This is essentially... I, I, Larry talks about it a little differently than me, I, uh, but I, I think about it as forgiving reality for being the way it is. Mm. You know, you know, uh, could be some part of one's life that's been really hard, and I forgive. You know, in a sense, I forgive things, and this may or may not be meaningful for you. And you can, you know, uh, use the fourth phrase or not. That's up to you. A lot of people find it actually quite powerful. And some people do not find it meaningful, and that, that's okay. And so the language that I developed was, in any way that I've been unable to be with and respond skillfully to the pain and suffering of our world, my own pain and that of others, may I come to accept pain, suffering, confusion, and ignorance to be part of the journey, my own journey and the journey of others. I offer forgiveness for the way that things are and have been as much as is possible in the moment. So again, Larry likes to talk about it as I, I forgive the first noble truth. <laughs> so, okay, just a, a few other things. Um, just a few other things. The language that I have here is in any way that I have harmed you, knowingly or unknowingly, and in some way that's a simplification of what actually happens. Because we know that, let's say, just two people interacting, it's complex. In a sense, I have my, I act in certain ways, I also have my own inner landscape, my own inner factors. And we know that someone can say something to me that can be triggering to me. And I may have pain in relation to that. And I may know that something that um, triggered me five years ago, I don't get triggered by right now. I've worked through it. And so the actual situation is complex. It's that someone, especially, you know, where there's um, language spoken, or even quite a lot of things, I may have a certain kind of pain based on what my inner factors are. And so I once tried to reword this to say something like, if you have triggered me in such a way that I was reactive, you know, and I it got rather involved and it got overly wordy, so I just uh, gave it up. <laughs> and, but, but, but that's an important understanding because in a sense, I can say something to someone else who might be triggered and it might be in significant part because of the inner factors or the unresolved issues, right? And that's actually the reality of the situation. But, um, I found it, so I want to 
kind of uh, invite us to keep that perspective that, that things are more complex when you use the simpler language which doesn't explicitly include that understanding. Does that make some sense? Yeah. Okay, so I just use, if I have hurt you in word, thought, or deed, and, you know, if I've said something, the person might feel hurt, but maybe because of that person's um, trauma or that person's wound, right? And uh, which I may not even have known about. Right? So it's complex. Okay? But I just uh, take responsibility for that as well. And, okay? That's not too much complexity. Okay. So, ready to practice? Okay. So again, and generally again, the, the guidance would be if you're intending to work with forgiveness for a particular situation, start out with something in the lower or middle range of degree of difficulty. Not to start, we, we need to practice a lot where it's not too hard. Practice forgiveness with the drivers or everyday forgiveness for small things rather than going to the big thing right away. So for now, if you want to take on something intentionally, choose something on a scale of one to ten, maybe no, no more than five. And you may want to choose three, someone at the work who said something in a snotty way. It's a Buddhist technical term. <laughs> okay. okay. We'll do this probably for about 15 to 20 minutes. Maybe just, we'll just start just with a minute or two of sitting quietly. We'll start now, and again, you can just say the phrase and see what comes to mind, or deliberately choose a particular relationship or situation. In any way that I have harmed you, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I ask for your forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. I'll just let there be silence for about three or four minutes, and if you want to read this, and say it again internally, silently, feel free. In any way that I have harmed you, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I ask for your forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment.
Now moving to the second phrase. In any way that I have been harmed by you, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I offer you forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment.
And now moving to the third phrase, offering oneself forgiveness in any way that I have harmed myself, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I offer myself forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment.
And now moving to the last phrase. In any way that I have been unable to be with and respond skillfully to the pain and suffering of our world, my own pain and that of others, may I come to accept pain, suffering, confusion, and ignorance to be part of the journey, my own journey and the journey of others. I offer forgiveness for the way that things are and have been as much as is possible in this moment.
This is from uh, Desmond Tutu in the context of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. He said, I think back to my time as chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, a hearing that forever will be imprinted on my memory was an investigation into the shooting of unarmed demonstrators by member of the armed forces. The hall in which the hearing took place was packed to the rafters with a crowd who were justifiably angry. The tension was palpable. Four soldiers, four soldiers entered and their commanding officer admitting, delivering the instruction to open fire. He turned to the crowd and asked, please forgive me. The crowd then did something that none of us could have predicted. They broke into wild applause. When the applause subsided, I turned to my fellow members of the commission and said, let us be quiet because we are in the presence of something truly holy. Forgiveness is never easy or cheap. It isn't something that you can demand of others. Forgiveness is a deeply personal journey to reconnect with the whole of humanity around you and therefore reconnect with yourself. It is essential because it reveals how we are inextricably bound to each other. As, as I have said before, there is no future without forgiveness.